Dr. Alistair okay. Dutano. I don't pronounce that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And so could you please tell us a bit about yourself? I know you work alongside Mr. Perugia Portelli and your advisor on disability-related issues. Could you please could you please talk a little bit about yourself? So um, to give an overview of the work I do um, in the ministry. Yeah. Um, so like, how do you get your start in disability? How do you become interested in that field? Okay, okay, yeah, got you. Okay, so basically, um, I had never intended to work in the disability sector. I um, had done my uh, initial law degree in Malta way back. I had finished around 2007, 2008, and I was doing my master's in the Netherlands. And um, I remember that um, one of the modules I had was basically minority rights in Europe. However, I had no idea what it would lead to. Around the same time, I had been like struggling with like a number of issues. Um, like uh, it was like mostly anxiety-related issues. I had like got to the point of burnout. And um, in the past, there were also let's say other things which were never really factored in, such as trying to um, deal with a lot of things at once. Um, also with um, matters of um, anxiety, for example. So at the end of the day, um, I had like always gotten a lot of different diagnoses. I guess there was also the issue of actually fitting in, for example, like uh, not reading social cues, but everything was actually like seen um, in isolation. So, okay, I was a bit weird. That was an explanation for one thing. There was also the issue that, okay, maybe I was you know, like careless or lazy, it was actually came to getting things together. Anxiety it was always like, okay, you know, just need to deal with your anxiety. I was put on a lot of medication, but nobody actually saw the bigger picture and I had reached the point of burnout. So I remember I had actually sought um, support from the university, who had uh, referred me also to a psychologist. And eventually, like, I also like, had um, a number of like different assessments carried out. By a, uh, by a team, and uh, long story short, I like uh, had received the diagnosis of ADHD and Asperger syndrome at the time, so like autism. Um, so uh, I had to do my master's thesis at the time, and I was like, okay, look, I mean, I always you actually struggled with certain issues, there were mental health issues, and then also like now there's this diagnosis, ADHD, autism, oh my God, what is this? It's so horrible. I will never get out of this. And I actually was trying to um, get around to doing something. So with my master's thesis, I originally wanted to do it on commercial law. But eventually, after having taken a, a couple of months off, I actually had a bit of depression linked to adjustment. And finally, I was like, okay, let's actually like focus on disability, since like one of the components of this minority rights in Europe, of course, was disability. So first I started writing about mental health in Europe in general. Then I was like, why not focus on autism? And I focused on autism rights in Europe. And that was like the start. And from there, I was like, okay, I would like to get a bit more into advocacy, uh, which is something which I explored further. And I had also like applied um, eventually for doing a PhD like um, in law, but focusing on autism rights. So eventually I started like researching more on the topic. I started um, also like 
dubbed like a bit an activism, like um, attending a, a, a few events, getting involved in writing um, a few position papers. And um, that actually led me to get a bit more acquainted with the NGO sector. And finally, let's say one of the position papers I had worked on, it was actually picked up by the government of Malta. And they had like um, asked me after I finished my studies whether I wanted to do some work, some further work with the ministry. And that respect, and that's like where I actually got to working in the sector. That was 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. so, like during your time working for the MIBC, have you had to like represent Malta and like the UN on the UN CRPD, for example? or? Have you ever had to have to like meet with other ministers, like for example, Minister Rabbit, who we interviewed a while back on the show, he's basically the Ireland's Minister for Disabilities. Have you ever had to meet with like them during your time and off during time also the part government? Uh, yes, definitely. It was also part of the experience. So what I ended up doing in Malta was working on policy and also on legislation because there were some things I was pushing for both when I dabbed into activism and also like uh, things which I mentioned in my research, I always said, okay, look, I want to make a change. I want to work towards making a change. There are certain things which actually affect me as a disabled person and I'd like to see like things be different. So what I had done was that I was like working on the reforming legislation in Malta and also like policy domestically. For example, we worked on the National Disability Strategy, National Autism Strategy, but also we had to network with colleagues abroad. And there were a number of conferences I would attend, like also on behalf of the country. So some of them were technical conferences. Some of them also had a high level element, political element. So meaning there were ministers involved, for example. So Minister Rabin, I'd actually like met her last year, it was in Paris. It was, uh, was actually filling in for our minister, for the Honorable Julia Corrigia Portelli, and um, it was the European Union presidency's like, annual, like um, conference on, on disability in France. And um, like Minister Rabbit was attending also, we got to know each other. It was a, like a lunch meeting like um, about autism, actually talking about different experiences. And um, she had mentioned that she was actually interested like, in looking further that's what Porto was doing with its own autism strategy because Ireland was also commencing work on its own. And since then, there have been, let's say, a few contacts between the Maltese and Irish sides in this respect. Um, with the UN, we have a few events, there were a few events which I was at um, uh, representing Malta. So back in 2019, like a very nice experience was I had actually like chaired a session together with the UNCRPD um, committee that. Um, was the first ever time there was a dialogue between autistic activists, autistic self-advocates, and the CRPD committee. Like this was in Geneva, so there were like five autistic activists and members of the CRPD committee there, as well as um, like um, other participants in the room, and they actually talked about issues affecting autistic people, let's say, in Europe and also different specific countries, so France, Switzerland, Malta, Finland, and also like once a year, there's this large gathering um, at the United Nations in New York, which brings together all the different countries that signed the UN Convention. So also like I uh, have represented the government there a few times, and have organized a few workshops there. For example, this year we organized like one on the institutionalization together with the European Network on Independent Living, 
and uh, also um, a very nice memory was in 2018. So every few years, um, every country has to report to the United Nations about what it's done in the past, including the convention, and then there's an oral review of the country. And uh, like I had uh, actually led the most of the question and answer with the CRPD committee there in 2018. I'm aware that Ireland also had this process or is having it like uh, recently. So yes, there were like a, a few memories, like uh, both at local level and also at international level. What is the what's like? What is the general consensus among the MIPC on the current situation regarding disability rights? Domestically in Malta itself, so with so is there like a belief that things need to be improved or things are going fine or other okay, areas so. where government feels like there needs to be improvement? So, like um, with the government, um, uh, it is bound by the UN Convention. So, at the end of the day, the aim of any government the Maltese government was with MIVC. It's the Ministry for Inclusion, Voluntary Organizations, and Consumer Rights. There's currently the ministry like under which disability like falls as a sector. Um, there's a commitment to actually look at the convention, look at what is on the ground, and they're making sure that with the actions that the government undertakes, um, be it passing laws or adopting policies or be it implementing projects, we have to make sure that we get as close to what the convention says as possible. Um, the aim is obviously to implement it fully. So we have realized that there's a number of areas which are a bit more challenging. For example, the biggest like um, area where we are doing a lot of work is um, in deinstitutionalization. So that actually means having a commitment to moving people out of um, residential institutions, which is still a big thing in Malta. Even mentality-wise, many parents want that. Even many disabled people want that, and into the community, but also making sure we have enough support in the community for that. So uh, we we work with our partners. I know you also like spoke to Oliver Shikuna, who's the um, chief executive officer for NGT support. So NGT support is basically the like state provider for disabled people. There's a number of different um, civil society providers, but they're not the state provider. So we make the policy. We also discuss it with disabled people, um, and then like you know, have the providers who implement it. One important thing which was, was very happy about, which was also my baby, so to say, was um, Engage. So Engage is the civil society committee, which was set up by government like this year. Um, the convention says that governments should not just listen to disabled people in making policies and then implementing convention, but should actively involve them in the process. So now we have a system of Malta whereby before any law um, becomes law, before any policy becomes policy, before any like uh, pro major project is actually implemented, these have to go to engage, which is the society committee. They are discussed there. The government would also act upon the feedback given by this committee. Um, some of the issues that exist are that there were a number of different actions taken by government before this committee started operating. So obviously, like there's also let's say some things we have to catch up to speed. But at least we have the system in place. Whereby we really have the principle of nothing about us without us. So government is actually obliged by law to um, listen to and involve disabled people in all of its decisions going forward. Yeah, and would you say that the that like for example the public and MPs are adequately informed about 
disability issues and what it's like to live with a disability. Because one of the things I always tell people is that it can happen to anyone. Anyone could be can have a disability or or one day meet someone who has a, has a disability. So it's important to be informed about disability related issues. So we'd say that there's that people multi generally involved they're generally informed about disability. That's actually that's one of the best questions because at the end of the day, um, no matter how much efforts you make, there can never be enough information. And it's not just about being informed, it's about people taking things to heart. Because I can actually know, for example, that you know, climate change is real. But unless I actually do something to stop climate change, unless I actually stop polluting, then like um, the climate will still like, be damaged going forward. So actually you have to actively like stop climate change. So there's a lot of information out there. I know I spoke to Samantha also, who's a commissioner for the rights of persons with disabilities. So basically she um like the so the commission that she headed is like the independent body that actually monitors that government is doing its work properly. So with the commission, they like engage in a lot of awareness, like efforts, a lot of outreach efforts. Also, like there's a lot of NGOs, there's National Federation for Disability that does that also. So the information is out there. Is it enough? It's never enough. And also, it's not just that. Maybe it's also the way we get across to people. So if we're actually talking to business people, we should talk to them in a certain way. If we're actually talking to health workers, I'll talk to them in a certain way. If we're going like, to talk to um, you know, like the person in the street, you have to talk to them in a certain way. So there has been an effort to reach out. But then again, like unless people actually step up and meet halfway, unless people actually want the change, it's not going to happen. And this is like an issue, even to all the generations of Malta, that disability has been like very much stigmatized in the past. There was a big taboo over that, even due to religious reasons. It was seen as a curse, as a result of a sin, like you know, something bad that comes from God, which is not like um, the reason at all. In fact, we even mentioned this in our trainings. I mean, just a lot of people still think about us disabled people as normal or not normal. Then, like, there's an issue, there's a barrier. So even with all of the knowledge in there, unless people change their point of view, it, it will not happen. The good thing is that with younger people, there is a change, there's like a shift. People are slowly warming up to the fact that, okay, you can be different at the end of the day. That, okay, you can be tall, you can be short, you can be disabled, you can be gay. I mean, you know, like, it's no curse, it's like no shame, it's nothing. It's guilt and shame, like, it's a big issue also, even with parents especially. So that's a lot. Parents of disabled children, and even disabled, like, adults' children. So, um, yeah, like, we need more formation, but we also, like, need... Um, a, a much deeper mentality change in the country. Like, um, it's also a very overprotective society, very traditional society in certain elements also. So um, that will take more than just some information out there. So it needs to be part of a larger social shift. Grazie. Thank you, um, Dr. Dejitano, for being for joining us here today. And... We go with Thanks, yeah. So best of luck with everything. Also wanted to ask you, like then okay, how can I actually view the podcast and everything? So you know people maybe tell me now or like even drop an email afterwards. Because I mean I have had people who have also asked about this. I know you also spoke, spoke to other people. I'd love to be able to follow, let's say, um a recording of this and also like um, some of the other things that you're actually doing. Oh well please tell them that they would ever like to reach out to me directly that they're always they can that always available to 
I'm always available to listen to them. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, take care and uh, well done. Uh, all, all the best with your future efforts. Thanks. Thank you, Grazie. You too, and same with you. Sure. Thanks. Please, uh, Sorry? Yeah, please let us know if you'd like to leave a review, share this with anyone, please do so. And until then. Yes, definitely. That can be one of the materials. I'd be more than happy to share. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.